Blessings. This is Pastor Walter and Maribel Arias welcoming you to the podcast of God of Covenants Christian Center. We hope this time is a blessing for you. Make sure you subscribe to get new messages every week. Enjoy the message and embrace what the Lord has for you. This week's message, Hope in Tribulation, by Pastor Walter Arias, has to do with the memories that we keep in our hearts and how we think on them. The Apostle Paul spoke of a positive way of thinking and encouraged believers to rejoice always by taking everything before God in prayer. And with that, offering us hope in the midst of tribulation. Let's listen to the message and may God bless you. Good God, we continue exalting your name. We continue in your presence, Lord, with the need that you, by your word, speak to us, that you allowed us to come here to worship you with songs, with instruments, with a song that, with a heart filled with joy, with even our obedience, with our tithes and offerings, with congregating, Lord. It's a type of praise. But now, Lord King, we want your word that through it, you can direct us and instruct us. And we ask for the, and I ask for those that are present and those people that are there in other countries watching through the internet that this word suits each and every one of them, and that you give me the boldness by your spirit to speak as it suits. In the name of Jesus and the church of the Lord says, amen and amen. Last week, there was devotionals that we say that they that they hit the nail on the head. Those that were exact for the moment in the church, well, the church of the Lord also goes through times of joy, Just like times of pain, times of absence, times of sickness, times of death, and all of that, well, it, it hits our soul. But I'm going to quote something of a devotional of the our daily bread that we recommend to the whole congregation, our daily bread, on the 26th of February, because this topic has to do with well, the memories that we store in our hearts. And there the author mentioned... Simple things that a human being keeps in their heart. And they said something like a recipe from his mother for 40 years that he had in his possession. Or a pink teacup from his grandmother. And that was uh, in accordance with this. Because it's true that we save certain things in our hearts. We keep things in our heart. Thoughts. We keep stories. We keep scenery from our infancy. Even conversations with someone. And so the heart has that capacity to remember certain things that are valuable to us. And perhaps maybe they were small details, but they brought a great blessing to our lives. And in the same way, the writer of that devotional wrote something about the truth. And I'm going to say what he wrote there. It says that what we often keep stashed away in our hearts, though are things that have brought us great unhappiness, anxiety, anger, and resentment. So then it's not only teaching this writer of this devotional, I think it was the 26th of February. He wasn't only speaking of the things that we save in our hearts that are great memories, happy memories, but also of a truth that we save the pains, that we save the moments of resentment, the traumatic moments. And the writer there says that he spoke about Paul, that he speaks to us in a positive way and how to deal with life and its difficulties, how to confront them and what to do with those traumatic moments. And I thought it was very important, these words, because we came from a time of pain congregationally when some brothers go from the land of the living and they go to the presence of God because we understand that even or even though we understand that they rest in the Lord it's true that it hurts in our hearts because we're soulish people we're soulish people we have a a body we have a soul which is your thoughts your emotions intellect and a spiritual being and in that part We can relate through the word with God and we understand through the part of the spirit. But that soul part is in the body. It doesn't take us away from life. So you and I, we go through difficult moments, through moments of anguish, through moments that bad news for things that make us feel threatened, maybe that make us feel that everything is going to end. 
And that hits the heart very hard. But the Word of God brings to us, itself says that it is living and effective and sharper than a double-edged sword, and it penetrates the most profound parts of the hearts, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the soul, of your mind. The Word of God enters through all places, and it brings a comfort in the moment that it needs to bring it. It brings a direction. And I want to speak today on a biblical text. Today, the topic has hope in tribulation. Hope in tribulation. There should be hope in the midst of that difficult time. Because when you have a tribulation or a problem, the only thing that you have to see is a light. You have to see just an exit of the difficulty that you're going through, of the agony emotionally that you may find yourself in. Maybe it's for the death of a loved one or a sickness or somebody else, or maybe even for your own sickness. Maybe you're in a process of physical anguish, in a process financial anguish, in a process of status maybe, of uh, that your immigration status. I don't know. All of us, we go through difficult things. Perhaps in your case, you have a situation that's difficult in your marriage. You have a condition in home that is difficult. And what if, if all of that would stay there? Imagine how that would be for a human being, that all of that would stay there, the pain. On the contrary, the Word brings us hope. And the Word says that hope doesn't shame. The Bible speaks that the hope, our hope should be there because it doesn't shame. We should believe that there's something greater than the pain after the pain, after the pain of mourning or the loss of a loved one. But the Word of God talks about us, and we're going to talk about this devotional, the biblical text, and we find it in Philippians. And I want you to open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, if you're so kind. Please open your Bible there. Chapter 4, I'm going to give you time, and look for verse 6 through 8. So Philippians chapter 4, I want to give you time so you can take notes and write. Perhaps you're going to need this word in a moment, or maybe you need it in a little while. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. The word of God says, be anxious for nothing. How does it say there? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And the verse finishes saying, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, then meditate on these things. And I want to speak of three brief points. So those that are, find themselves in tribulation, in family, uh, the family, the Olios family, Bermuda's family that are in agony, that have loved ones, that have a deathbed, perhaps uh, lying in their deathbed, or maybe you're going through a physical condition, painful, and that brings you fear, that it brings you anguish. Those in... Any problem, this word is for you in your youth, in whatever short life. Maybe you're in a trauma and you don't know what you're going to do with your life and you have anguish because they put that pressure that you should have to know what you're going to do. You have to know what they're going to do. To the youth, they put this burden. They're 12 years old. They have to know what they're going to do when they're older. I have, I'm 53 years old and I still don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. <laughs> So they put so much pressure, things that bring sadness, agony. But I want to speak through this text, the three points. And the first thing is the circumstances. The circumstances, because the Apostle Paul says there, be anxious for nothing. And when the Apostle Paul says, be anxious for nothing, he is speaking of the word of anxious. And that's the result of something that is traumatic, something that is, we feel a need. It's something that we, an answer, that we're in a need of life for some detail, and it brings to us what is called anxiety. 
when you have anxiety, it's because there's a desperation in a moment because there's something that we feel that is attacking us, something that makes us feel that we're not fine, something that makes us feel that something is missing. And he says, be anxious. He says, for nothing. And when he says for nothing, it calls to my attention. It, that word encloses everything. Don't allow an exception to that. He says, be anxious for nothing. He doesn't say for some things can bring anxiety and some other things. No, he's saying all the things that are bad that happen to us cannot come to the point to have us anxious. He's not saying that we're not going to have difficult moments. In fact, if you look the Bible well, it's filled with difficult times and difficult moments. Not only the Hebrew people, but also the Gentile people. The tribulation, the anguish, persecution because of your faith. Because those that believed in things, those that they had to take away things, those that were taken captive, the Word of God, if something it shows me is circumstances, we all live through circumstances that are difficult. So then in another devotional that week, because I said two impacted me a lot. I also say textually that had to do with changes. And the author said in January, the winds from Chinook came and what came quickly and lowered the temperatures quickly. And this drastic change in the temperature had place in two minutes. In only two minutes, the temperature changed from a frozen state to seven degrees in two minutes. And with this, he's saying that that's life, our life. There's changes that come quickly. You and I could be laughing right now. But then in a little while, a calamity could come to our lives. A moment can come that is so traumatic, something that is going to strike us and, and, and move us, like we say, like it's going to pull the floor from under us. Almost like our life can be destroyed. What a fear it is to lose a child. What a fear it is to lose a parent. What fear it is to lose your spouse or a loved one. Have you stopped to think about that? Does that go through your mind? Let us evaluate. At least to myself it comes. And I'm like, whoa, what's this? Because without thinking, those thoughts come to me of what I know one day will come. If someone that's normal or abnormal as I, lift your hands. If you think about that, if you don't, then something is happening with you. How difficult the circumstances. By nature, we're designed in a way to things make us happy. We want to be happy all the time. We want the smile. We prefer the smile over pain. We prefer good news over bad news. Is it true or not? All of us that are here, assuredly, we are not masochists. We like what is good. We want that it goes well in our life. But what about when, when the things come out differently, when the circumstances are adverse, like that climatic change that suddenly in two minutes, a change of temperature that is so great, that's our life in a second, everything could change. And what happens when everything changes? That's why the title of this preaching is called Hope in Tribulation. To have Christ, listen well, is not synonymous of not living on this earth. Having Christ is not to say that we don't live on this earth. To make Christ our Lord and Savior doesn't want to say that everything is going to be rosy. And one day if they told you that type of gospel, that they said from now on everything is going to be prosperity and everything is going to go well for you and everything and everything. And they said and they told you a gospel that was a little different in a portion they lacked to explain everything. Because if the word talks about hope, the Bible also shows us and life itself that we're in a fallen world, that we're in a body subject to pain, to sickness, that the body could be damaged, that the body could be wasted away. This body assuredly will pass away. But the spiritual being is called to be revived, to grow. That's why we're this triune being. We're edifying our spiritual being here in church. And so that we could confront correctly our soulish part, our negative thoughts and our painful thoughts. Even though we pass in this 
in this earth, years that we got, our spiritual being should govern. And this preaching today is pointing to a hope because all, we all go through anguish times, your own sickness, sickness of others, and, and deaths that when you see a loved one that is degrading, degrading, degrading in health and started into a sickness and it's like a long death and then they last that you're praying so that God can take that person. But there's other deaths that are quick, a quick that we're not waiting for and boom, a heart attack, something, an accident, and you don't know what is more painful. Because in one, you allow the preparation almost mentally of that death, but the other one, it's quick. And suddenly, and I think both, should be equally painful. Circumstances. What is your circumstance? There's also betrayals and deceivements. There's a lack of loyalty in friendship, lack of loyalty in the brotherhood, lack of loyalty in family. All of that hurts, say circumstances. And I want you to meditate on what the circumstances that are your traumatic circumstances in this moment, what is hurting you? What is affecting you? What is bringing you fear to your heart? What is bringing you doubt? Because whatever it could be, whatever it is, that's legitimate. Your pain is your pain. And nobody could get in there. Your fear is your fear. And none of us can say, no, don't have it. But yes, I could say through the word of God, the advice. And that's what I want to speak of the second part, the advice. Because in this topic, that in, in that advice, we speak of the circumstances that are difficult. But also the text gives us a advice. The Apostle Paul says there that we should be anxious for nothing. Now he says another part. And he says, by prayer and supplication, read it with me. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the advice, there are two things. The advice of Paul is petitions. Well, prayer. Let your prayer or petitions be known before God in what? In what? It says in prayer. And how? How does it teach us then? The word itself on how we should behave in adverse circumstances. What is it saying? That our requests be made before God in prayer. So the advice, the Bible is giving us that advice. It's saying that in a moment of tribulation, pray to pray. So then we all say, and say it, please say it, say pray. I think it's not the first time that you're saying it. No, the first time that you have heard it. How many times have you heard that they told you to pray? Have they told you? Now, have you said to a person, pray? And it's a reality. The Bible speaks to us of prayer. It says that your request be made known to God with prayer. So prayer is a mechanism of our faith. Prayer is something that God has given to you and to me as a mechanism. So for the difficult times and the traumatic times of life, not only as a mechanism to bring gratitude for good things, but also above all things, those of us that understand that when pain arrives, that's when we get closer to God, because there's a condition in the majority of the people that we look for God when we're in a crisis. Glory to God. There's hope in tribulation. So it says that we should pray. So prayer speaks of has to do speaking to God and speaking to God. How do we speak to God? And there's a truth. The truth is that we could come to God with some words and perhaps saying with some a way that that's oh excellent and great and powerful God, omnipresent, king of glory, of power and of truth. You are the God that is we could come out with something like that. Or we could just say, I'm damaged in my heart, Lord. I have pain. So it's not the way or the form, but the profoundness of what you're saying is that we come to God however we have to come in prayer. If you look, the Psalms, there's a lot of complaints in the Psalms. I look at the Psalms and say, a Psalm is saying, where are you, God? And the prophet saying, where were you found? 
people honest, speaking to God from their heart. Because we also hear to not complain before God. And I would say to you, it, it's, we have to complain. Because our feelings and our emotions allow us to say to God, that and God is his heart is not going to be damaged imagine a God so simple of heart that you say God where were you and then God says oh how this person is oh no he's denying me so no more no I believe that God doesn't have to be in that I think God understands your heart but he wants you to say it to him God knows the affliction and the damage the sadness the anguish but he wants you to say it he wants us to speak to him and that we tell him is it not that way? Like the, those of us that are parents that have children, what do we ask of a child? Whatever the problem, what do we say to our children? Speak, speak to me. Don't we say that? And even there's things that we know that they're going through our children. We know it. And what do we say? Tell me. Because there's a therapy there. Because the way of prayer is a therapy made by God to vent. We, like a pressure cooker, like those pressure cookers, in my land they used a lot. I don't know if in your country, but we use a lot of pressure cookers that has a valve, yes? An escape valve. And those pressure that they whistle. And why do they call them whistling pots? Because shh. And when do they start to do that? And you go and you see a vapor coming. When? When the pot is under a pressure, there's a temperature that is so great inside cooking something that it has to escape from a, somewhere. So now take that valve out and put a screw or something there and see what happens. You know how those happen? It explodes. It breaks everything and the beans are on the roof or whatever it was there. And you could even burn yourself if it were to explode. Why? Because the valve was missing because it was top. We have a valve of escape. It's called prayer. It's called tears. And when we're in tribulation, you could cry. When we're in pain, you can cry. But we come with words to people and we say, oh, don't cry. Take it easy. God is with you. So why? Then he gave me these tear glands. Why did he give me feelings and emotions? But because of a good heart, because it hurts us that we see them in that desperation, we say, don't cry. The Lord took you to his presence. Don't cry. What? How? That's not going to pain your hurt, your heart. How much you have to cry? Just cry. When? Just cry. <clears throat> cry your problems before God, whatever it may be. Bring the complaints to the Lord, however you want to bring it. I'm also not asking to be a gross person, or, but that you're legitimate and you say to the Lord, Lord, this is what's happening to me. This is hurting me. I don't like this. I'm not happy with this, God. This is bringing me fear, or this is bringing me that 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 mechanism of prayer, that valve. You need that. Are you with me? So then in your circumstances... People are going to go through difficult things, all of us. But the advice is that we pray, that we speak to God. But the question then is, how does God speak to us? Because if we're going to have a good counselor, amen? So we say to God, we use another mechanism, like to speak to another person, to speak to prudent people, to good counselors. The Bible says that the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. But it's better that you find good counselors. Because if you say to a person that is in a depression and that is in another depression now there's two that are depressed and before under that pain they're going to say no you I'll kill you and eat you <laughs> with what they did no I'll knock their head off with a machete so you're asking advice of a person who's in crisis themselves what is the counselor? That's why the youth, we say, don't look to look for counsel in the youth because the youth are immature. They still haven't grown. It's something that a parent suffers when they see a child that has a counselor and who's your counselor? Oh, my friends from school. What? They're not mature to give you good advice. The adults are the ones that are more capable and find those good ones well. So what is the counsel that you have? Because the word of God says that God is my counselor, but it also speaks to speak to others that are instruments of God to comfort the heart. But listen well, how does God speak through the word? Lift up your Bible once again. 
You are so beautiful. Look, this word that I would persuade you the whole life that you find, that you could underline it all the time, and you use it daily and hear glory to God. And we even put it on the screen when it functions. But you know what? That word is the word. That's why it's called the word of God. That's where you're going to find your answers. And I memorized some biblical text and that text that we're speaking of. I memorized 27 years ago and it has been good for my whole life. In every moment of affliction or sadness, I come to that biblical text. It comes automatically. Be anxious for nothing. But let your... Petitions be known before God with supplication and prayer. I have it in the heart. I know 27 years ago I learned it. I learned it and it has helped me as a mechanism. Prayer. A mechanism. I advise you. You want to hear the voice of God? Many people are looking for a place so that they can say in their ear the voice of God. You know, through a person, a prophet or a prophetess, and God says such and such and such. Well, it's easier. And who do you know who that person is? Who do you know that person is? And I'm not denying the ministry of prophecy. No, at all. It's here. But I'm saying that the word that is faithful and assured is in your Bible, will always be your Bible. And when you read here, you will see the answers. The Holy Spirit of God will tell you this is for you. You go reading it. Like I felt last week in those two devotionals, that those two devotionals, that was for me in that moment, the changes that are dramatic, and sudden, <clears throat> the death of some brothers here in the church, the pain of a congregation. I needed those devotionals. I read it and I read the text. <clears throat> and the other one is speaking of intensity. In this advice, we have the prayer, say prayer, of what we speak to God and what God tells me through a person and what the Bible tells us. But the other one is the intensity. Because the Apostle Paul says, with supplication, and I'm going to take the text. Let your request be known to God in prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving. Say supplication. If supplication is speaking of an intensity of something, intensity that's continuous. If your problem is so legitimate, so you're going <clears> to <throat> evaluate it according to the intensity that you get close to God. I'll explain it another way. You could say I have a matrimonial problem. And you say, God, I have a problem with my marriage. I'm bored with my marriage. And you say to your counselor, the pastor, pastor, I have problems in my marriage. Okay. And you go and you work 14 hours, <clears throat> another day, 14 hours, and you live your life. And you said that, yes. But what was the intensity that you said it with? Has the agony come to your heart? Has the tears for the pain that you have? Because then you need an intensity of what we're seeking legitimately on behalf of God. We need to cry out to God and cry to God. And I show it to you in a text. There's a parable in Luke chapter 18. So you go to open up your Bibles. Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 8. And here the word cites of a widow and an unjust king. Listen to the parable of Jesus. Speaking of a widow and a king that didn't have fear of people or God himself. And it says there in Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 8. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray. How much? Always ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me. How did he say about the widow? Troubles me. Why was he troubling? Because she was persistent. Judge, give me my justice. Give me my justice. Give me my justice. And that judge was already crazy. But I said, oh my goodness, this woman. <clears throat> she's going to make me crazy. That's what the text is saying. So verse 4 again. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, 
though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, listen, hear what the unjust said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Who said amen? Glory to God. Amen. I'm going to read it again so it hits you. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he bears long with them. And I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? This speaks to me that prayer is part of faith. Because I could start congregating, I could serve, listen to Christian music, but perhaps I don't communicate with God, I don't speak, I don't cry out to Him, I don't supplicate to Him. And perhaps there it's saying to me, this is part of your faith. Will there be faith that God responds because you already came here. Look, the fact that you and I are here is to say that we believe that God is, that God exists. Our spiritual part is what brings us here. Our soulish damage part wants us to stay home. Analyze this. The part of laziness or your emotions of everything. Oh no, I'm going to go on vacation from church for a month. But the spiritual part brings you and edifies to listen that prayer and that perseverance is part of the answer to your need. Where shall I go? If you only have words of eternal life, the word of God says. So then in prayer, we conclude that we should be persistent, that we should believe in it, that we should persevere to be able to reach and obtain, and that this is going to obtain an answer for us. And it's going to come with an answer. And listen, well, it's going to reach an answer of what I'm asking. And if not what I'm asking, it's going to reach a peace in my heart. Because there's many things that I ask God that he hasn't given them to me. But you know what he gave me? Peace with respect to that. And my life was fine. Things that I cried for and I cried for and I cried for. And one day I stopped crying for it. And I had peace in my heart of what I cried for. And he gave me an answer. Not the one that I thought but the one that I needed, the peace in my heart. Are you with me? Say to the person to your side, you need the peace of God in your heart. Say to them, you don't need your answer, but the one from God. Say that. You don't need your answer, but the one from God. And to finalize, in this topic of hope, let us make a memory of the topic today so that we could learn. What is the title today? Hope in tribulation in the first point, we spoke what? Of circumstances. The second point was advice. What is the advice? Prayer and intensity or perseverance, yes? And the third point is to redirect. Redirect like the GPS that you have in your cell phone or your car that speaks to you. That Remember the GPS, how it sounds? Turn right. Turn left. Turn left. Make a U-turn. You got lost again. Has that happened to you? You laugh because you know it's happened. And the word of God, the same apostle Paul gives us a thought. He says, in, meditate in this. He says that our petitions, first, be anxious for nothing. So the circumstances are going to come. Then it says the advice. Pray with perseverance. But then he says a part here that filled me a lot when I first read this. Meditate on these things. Redirecting. Because what we think is in the problem. We think in the anguish. We think on the crisis that I have. And the fear that I'm feeling that's legitimate. But the word of God, the advice is that we pray to God and and persevere in prayer and he will give me an answer what I'm looking for or peace in my heart but he gives me a part of hope and you know what he says to redirect and focus on something that's why he says meditate on these things let us read verse 8 again all of us finally brethren 
Do we have it? Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. 1, 2, 3. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Look at what he's saying, to redirect our thoughts, because our thoughts is to be focused in the pain, to be focused on the anguish, or the betrayal, or the damage, or that that person damaged me, that person offended me, and what the Word of God is saying here, that you presented to God, that offense, that pain, that mourning everything to God, and you persevere in that, but then redirect, and think on what? Think on to choose what is true. It invites us to pick what is true, to take whatever is noble, to live what is pure, to choose what is lovely, to think of everything that is of a good report, to be virtuous people, and that our life continually be a praise to God. Amen? Be a praise to God. Look, a good trap for a damaged soul, a good trap, you have to understand this, a good trap for a damaged soul or an attack of Satan on your life when it's something spiritual is to get into... Listen, I also saw it and I'm doing and I will do it because I know myself a little bit and what I believe and I hope that God doesn't let these words fall. I will always look in God the answer to my needs. I've been doing it for 27 years and my Lord has not been wrong. He hasn't given me all the yeses to what I wanted, but he has given me all the peace that I need. Listen well and give the glory to God if you're going to give him a hand praise. Clap those hands. Blessed be the Lord. And he's put thoughts, new thoughts, so that I can have hope and to do a trap for darkness. When I put praise music, not because I'm with you, I put it in a car, in the car alone, like you do. And I put that song, that Christian song long because there's two things. You put a loud song that brings a message that is damaging, that is not virtuous, that doesn't bring glory to God. You could put that or you put some messages that are powerful, that in the moment they revive you. They put you, they inject you of something and they give you some peace. And I make a trap for the devil all the time with that. Are you with me? Give the glory to God that amen. The book of Deuteronomy ends with a tragedy, so you could read it. Read Deuteronomy, the last chapter. It ends with a great tragedy. Listen well what I'm saying to you. Don't get distracted. The book of Deuteronomy ends with a tragedy for Joseph and for the Hebrew people that came out of Egypt. For 40 years, they had a Moses with them, the spiritual leader. For 40 years, they saw miracle signs and wonders in the trajectory of that wilderness. Please pay attention. And before the 40 years, they saw 10 plagues fall in Egypt. And none of the plagues touched the neighborhood of Goshen where the Hebrew people lived. Then in the power of God, there was a man, Moses, their spiritual leader. But the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible, finishes with a tragedy for the Hebrew people. God is pleasing his heart to take in his, from the earth, Moses. And it says that God himself buried him and they don't know where. And they're waiting that Moses would come and he didn't come and he didn't come. Because Moses would become absent to speak with God with perseverance. And one day he doesn't arrive and they understand that Moses is God. It finishes with a crisis for them. Their leader that God has used, the, for them it was the representation of God. And when he was missing, they went into a crying for 30 days, they said, that they were mourning for 30 days crying. A whole people together crying in affliction. And those that would fall and throw ashes on them and rip their garments, it was a way that's very dramatic to express your pain. And it finished in a tragic way. But there, there was a new uh, redirecting. After crying, God himself has to speak to Joseph. I'm sorry, to Joshua. And God himself says to Joshua and says some things. And I paraphrased it a little. And he says, look, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. 
and I don't know who's receiving this, but at times a relationship is damaged and it's finished and there's nothing else you could do. And we think that life has ended. And you know what God says? I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. Cry of the relationship. Cry, cry, cry. If there's nothing to resolve. But I, meaning God, will be with you. Who receives that? How painful the death of a loved one. My wife is one that cries at times, and, and myself, really, it happens. We have a good age, the mature age, <laughs> or the cry babies were mature. And they were more calm, and we enter into a reality when we get into middle age, middle age. And it's that we think, how much longer are we going to live? I don't know if that happens. My wife and I, we're in love, and she looks at me for a moment, and she starts to caress me, and I know what you're thinking. I already know her. <laughs> she starts to caress me, and she says, I love you. And a tear comes. And just to think of the day that you die hurts me a lot. And I ask God, and look at what she asked God, that take me first. <laughs> And she says, I don't know if I'd be able to resist your absence for all that you do, for your vigor, for your strength. And she starts to think and say what she thinks of me. And some years ago, I had a fear if I was to die. I came with those thoughts and I said, Lord, what would happen with my family? I always, when a pastor dies, it's always, it kills the family. The widow, the children, the, this one, here no. The majority of the churches take those people out and they throw them aside. And I asked the Lord to not allow that to happen. And I said, Lord, I said to my wife, if one day I die, I would ask that you don't be the pastor of the church because I don't want them to see that you, they eat you alive and that they destroy you. That they come with doctrine or with things that will try to waste you. I don't need that for you. Today, I believe she has all the defense and all the doctrine and all the capacity for her to be in front if I was to die. I tell you a little bit of the heart of the pastors. And with this, I'm not saying that I'm sick. <laughs> Is that it's a reality, though. And my example perhaps perhaps can help you think. She would say, if I die without you, and I say to my wife, no. God is going to be with you. God is going to be with you and my children if, when and, if and when I die. And what you have to say to your wife, give hope. Do everything that is good that you could do and work for all you have to work for. So in one day you die, they're not loose there. That they're not abandoned. Say to the Lord, you're my protector, my provider, but allow me in this strength that I have to achieve so that if I die or when I die, maybe an insurance that they give them $200,000. Yes. Better to die with insurance than without. Think on that. I have my family in insurance, and I say the church, and the church, my heart, my responsible heart makes me to assure, ensure myself in case I die that they don't take this building away from you because when a leader dies from a church, there could be an opportunity that the church divides or gets loose or gets uh, discouraged, and I ask God, and there's an insurance that if I die, and don't try to make it come sooner than it needs to. <laughs> if I die, the church, they will give money so that it can pay the mortgage to pay everything. That's called responsibility. But something I know is that God will provide. And God will lift new leaders of this church. He will lift people and those that are here. That if one day I die, 
a man will have to get up and a woman get up. I don't know there's many. And that they defend. God will be here. I don't know what your situation is. My sister Aura and the family, I said these words to you. Because with the death of a person, you want to die. The people that are in pain. The heart of a woman, a wife, the children, the grandchildren. I saw the grandchildren crying yesterday at the funeral. It moved all of us. And I could say to them in the cemetery, you have hope. Take the best of your grandfather and you grow. You have hope. Whatever the problem is that you have, whatever is hurting you, get in with the Lord and there's something better for you if you get in with the Lord. If you let God to be your God, he says, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. He said to Joshua and he says to you in this day, listen well and receive it. If you get in with God, God's not going to fail you. He will not fail you. He will not fail you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 2, Joshua chapter 1, 2 to 9. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan to a young person who was dying, uh, crying for 30 days. He says, arise, he died. Yes, arise, cry, cry. Cry for your loved ones that die. Cry those that are sick. But you know what? Let us cry what we have to cry, but let us arise. Are you with me? Arise that every one of your, you could arise from your affliction, that you arise from the laws that you have, from the situation. If you don't have documents, what documents? If you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, arise in the name of the Lord. Don't feel third world. Don't feel like a second class citizen. You're the son and daughter of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. How many give the glory to who deserves that glory? And verse 3 says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I have said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you. I don't know who's going to receive this. No one shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, the Lord says to you today. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. I don't know who this is for. And verse 6 says, Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Woman, your husband left, abandoned you. Be strong and be courageous. Stand up, woman. You know what? That God is your provider. He is your husband. He is your boyfriend. He is, your, he is the one that sustains you. How many can give glory to he who lives forever and ever? Blessed be the name of the Lord that they let you go of your job, that they took away your job. Cry, cry, put the complaint to God, all you want to say, but you know what? Arise in the name of the Lord, because perhaps it's the opportunity that you open your own business then, or you look for another place where you'll be honored. I don't know who this is for, but on behalf of the Lord, receive it. Amen. And give the glory to he who lives. Be strong and of good courage. In verse 7, it says again, only be strong and very courageous. And in verse 9, it says again, verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The youth that are leaving the house, when they go to school, the university, God will be with you. He's going to go with you. Don't go to university without God. Assure yourself to take him with you. The yoke with Christ to university wherever you go. And how many can give glory to God for that? Youth, take Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. Take the gospel wherever you go. Take the gospel with you. Take Jesus with you. When I came to the United States, Jesus didn't stay in Colombia. He came with me. Same flight, sitting right next to me. He snored with me. When I came with Jesus from Colombia, he didn't stay there. He came on the same flight, snoring with me. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Church, please stand. I'm going to invite the ministers that are in charge of the Lord's Supper and all the ministers to please pass through here. I 
and then you pass the microphone to Pastor Soto, please. Church, let go of your things for a moment. Don't leave yet, please, because this is a very special moment. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you haven't given your heart to Jesus, I'm going to give you the best advice. Give it to him. Surrender your life to the king of kings. He didn't come to damage you. He came to bless you. If you're the ones that have already gave your heart to Christ, analyze what is the personal relationship that you have with him. What intimacy and intensity do you have? And if you see yourself short, then go deeper. Get profound in that. If you're in desperation with a complaint or a situation or a fear, Seek what is to do good, pure, and worthy. All that is of a good report, and let God do the rest. Because that's the condition. You redirect your thoughts. If something has worked, then take it easy and pray to God. He will respond. And if He doesn't respond to your way, He will give you the peace. But pray to God. Are you with me? What if you lift your hands there for a moment, and you repeat with me, Good God. I recognize that I am a sinner, but I embrace your grace. I embrace your work on the cross of Calvary. I acknowledge and recognize that I am a tripart being, a physical body which I should take care of. And I ask you, Lord, that it be I be kept in you. I recognize that I have a soul in my body, emotions, feelings, thoughts, memories. And my soul, say, in my soul, things hurt. Fear arrives. Doubts arrive. But today, I in focus and I concentrate on my spiritual being, the one that dictates me the truth that you continue being my God in the midst of the need, of the scarcity, of the pain, of anguish. Say there, Lord Jesus, today I present myself. I surrender all my thoughts my emotions that are damaged, pains and heartbreak, but I also present the projects, the plans of life, the things that are good, my relationship with you, help me to grow more, teach me, say to him, teach me in the bad day to deposit my anxiety before you and to redirect myself and my thoughts in the hope that you are with me and that I will lack nothing and say thank you Jesus do you have an applause for the king amen thank you for listening to our podcast we invite you to look for us in the social networks such as Facebook YouTube and Instagram search under the name Dios de Pactos Florida. We hope this message has edified you and please share with others. Have a wonderful day.